Combat with Brian Campbell returns with the Professional Wrestling Edition. And one day after a tremendous week of WWE TV that has us legitimately asking whether this company is making the changes it promised, there is a new man at the reins of this podcast. Big dog. Okay, maybe not for good, but at least for the week, it is the Silver King in charge of the SOC as BC floats somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean on vacation with his family. And when the Silver King is at the helm of State of Combat, you know there is some performance-enhancing audio prepared to invade those ear holes and fill those field spots. I also got the third man with me, hanging out right near the beach. Bye! And we have a fresh face if you can call him that, stepping into the Silver King's chair on this week's show. He is our WWE editor here at CBSSports.com and the man with one of the strongest accents I have ever heard, Jack Crosby. Jack, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. I promise I'm going to do my best to sit in for for BC opposite Adam. Adam technically sitting in for BC, but I'm going to do my best. I know I, I can't be as over the top as Brian usually is, but I'll do my best. Let's also do your best not to move around so much because that microphone's hitting your jacket and it's making a lot of noise, Jack. But while we get into the start of the show, before we hit the segment you all love, the main event, I feel like we need to tell the people a little bit about Jack, Jack Crosby, the wrestling fan. So give us couple quick notes here, Jack. When did you start watching wrestling? Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? I started watching wrestling when I was about three years old. So we're going all the way back. I'm giving my age away here to 1987. My grandfather slapped me in front of the TV and because he used to watch it in the 60s and 70s. And he started teaching me about it. I watched everything. WWF. The end, we got the NWA. We had TBS Saturday, 605. Every single weekend, we'd watch the NWA. Then I became a child of ECW when that was on the rise, when that was even part of the NWA. So, well, let's clarify. Watching... Let's clarify. You're in Pennsylvania, so I'm in Pennsylvania. So, like the old ECW was very, very accessible to me, being so close to Philadelphia. So I got to see that grow from a little baby to what it became. Uh, so basically, I've been watching wrestling consistently for over 30 years now. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time, I'll give you two names. I'll give you one that's a little obscure, and he is my favorite wrestler, but a lot of people probably don't know him. But in the days of uh, YouTube, you can either, Kent, Kenta Kobashi is my favorite wrestler of all time to watch. Um, if you don't know him, go to YouTube, specifically look up his match with Samoa Joe. Now, a more mainstream name, if we're talking my favorite wrestler, definitely Terry Funk. That answer has never changed. It probably won't. I just... I love Terry. I love his career arc, the way he's like people when people talk about Chris Jericho and the way he was able to transform himself with the times. I still believe that no one did that better than Terry and Terry will always be. He'll always have a soft spot in my heart. All right. And then the key question that I think people really need to know is, are you all in? Oh, come on, Brandy. Are you all in on the revolution? What quote unquote revolution, what BC likes to call it? Or are you like me taking a little bit of a wait and see approach see how things play out before really jumping in and saying, oh, yeah, this is going to change the entire business. I'm a little bit of both. Uh, I'm not as extreme with it as BC is, where the, these guys are going to come right out of the gate and we're going to see these massive changes. There's still a lot I need to see from them, which I've heard you talk about before. Like, right. there's still a lot you have to prove to me. Right. Um, but this is something that I, like a lot of other people, have wanted to see for a while. I have wanted to see a legitimate promotion come along, but not just a legitimate promotion – but a promotion with billions of dollars behind it. Here we have a guy, here we have a family in the cons 
who has that. I don't count Bob Carter and TNA where he was just funneling his daughter money and right. she was just I don't count that. But the cons seem to have a, a gen, genuinely invested interest in this. So I'm just taking the wait and see approach. But I, I'm excited. That's not to say I'm going to dismiss them, but I just need to see more. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't dismiss them either. For me, it's look, there the um, there's it looks to be a structure in this case that would provide something to get excited about. And it looks like there are some fresh ideas specifically with AEW. But I'm not going to go jump in and say, A, they're going to compete with WWE, or B, that they're going to be my preferred brand of wrestling when legitimately I have not seen it yet. So there's a jump to go from one to the other. I mean, I I get these people that are getting overly excited, but we have a roster of, what, 10 people? If that, for right now? So, I mean... I, it'll build over time. Like a lot of people, I think some people too are under the impression for some reason or another that like tomorrow they're going to come out and say, here's our TV show. We're debuting next week. Right. There's still a lot of building these guys have to do, but at this, on the same token, I'm excited to watch them build it this year and then finally release it to us so we can see what they have to bring to the table first. Exactly. Now, when some of you got the idea that the silver King would be running this week's edition of state of combat and not BC, I got a couple tweets Hey, Silver King, over under 10.5 minutes of AEW, quote unquote, (laughs) revolution talk. Well, the answer, folks, even though this was our intro, the answer is under. That's about it for this show. Why? A lot happened in WWE this week, and we are going to break all of it down. And you know where it starts with the main event. Okay, Jack, so we're going to really start on Monday Night Raw and you know what? We haven't done much of that as of late because Raw hasn't really deserved uh, the first spot here in the main event. But we're going to start with Braun Strowman getting removed from the Universal title match at the Royal Rumble. And why did he get removed? For destroying Vince McMahon's stretch limousine. Now, Dave Meltzer has come out and reported right off the bat, this was always the plan. It was not due to Braun's injury. As you did notice, he didn't have the sling on. Looked to be in better shape there. The question is, was this the right decision? And really, did it work? Did did the concept of Braun, you know, kicking down a a side view mirror, breaking a window on a limousine and and ripping a door off, is that enough of a reason to A, find him $100,000, which in WWE we know is meaningless, and then to lose his championship opportunity against Brock Lesnar? I don't know. Um, let's really start with what Vince McMahon had to say about the entire thing. You're like some sort of a raging woolly mammoth, aren't you, huh? Yeah. The human wrecking ball of some kind? That's who you are. You have black and yellow tape wrapped around your body. You're a danger zone. Look what you've done. Look what you've done to my car. Now, I have no doubt about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, that if he saw someone like Braun Strowman and there was a segment like this, he would come back the next week in a black singlet with yellow tape around it and be called the Mammoth or the Danger Zone or something like that, no doubt. But now we're in 2019, Jack, and the question is, um, does this work for you as legitimate reasoning to pull Braun out of this match? No, it doesn't, but I see what Vince was trying to do here. If, Like you said, Dave Meltzer, he gave the whole rundown about uh, the entire situation, which I'm not a fan of because here's where I think Vince's logic was coming from. He wanted to get Braun out of the match, but his 
main concern for the whole Brock Braun match was that he didn't want Braun to look weak. So Vince's logic was, I'm going to pull you from the match, but at the same time, you'll have a segment on Raw with me where I'm getting in your face a la Stone Cold Steve Austin, The, the Rock, the run-ins Vince used to have in the Attitude Era. He's like, so that'll still give you a nice rub, but I'm pulling you from the championship match. But here's the thing. So, okay, maybe he did that to placate Brock, right? But historically, those people that you just mentioned stood up to Vince. AJ Styles, a couple weeks ago, punched him in the face. Kevin Owens headbutted him. This is the monster among men. Yeah. You know, this is a guy who's supposed to be a beast and a monster. He literally, we just saw him rip a car door off his Which, hinges. We come back from commercial, and rather than them being in this contentious argument that you would expect, the first thing Braun is trying to do is act like a dumb large teddy bear who just ripped this door off, and he's trying to put it back in place to satisfy Vince. Now, I don't mind that, because Vince is an authority figure. He's older now. Wrestlers, you know, showing him the respect of being an older man and not attacking him physically and doing things like that, I'm okay with. But we literally just saw AJ Styles attack him. So yeah. why is Braun's response, you know, that, where, and he shrugs his shoulders when he loses the title match, walks away, and we don't, I mean, he flips the limo. But after yeah. that, we don't see him again. You, well, I mean, to, you just said it. Vince, we've seen it the past couple of years. Vince has a thing for broad flipping things. Right. So Once a year. Once it, a year, we it, get a vehicle flipped. In Vince's mind, if he's going to have a segment with Braun, it's going to end for the whole show with Braun flipping something. So Braun's answer, for better or worse, was to grab the limo and flip it. And yes, that was it. We don't have to agree with it. It sucks. I'll, I'll, agree, I'll agree with you there. It sucks. But in Vince's mind, he loves Braun flipping things. So the end of the end of the whole thing was Braun flipping a limo. I suppose. But now you have to ask, what do they do to play it forward here, right? Because he didn't suspend Braun. He fined nope. him. And he pulled him out of the title match. So, okay, he didn't go on a rampage this week on Raw. Does he go on a rampage on the go-home edition to the Royal Rumble? And if he does, does that pull any heat and momentum off of, and we'll talk about this person, obviously, coming up shortly, Finn Balor now being in this match, which really, along with Sasha Banks, Ronda Rousey, are the two headline matches coming from the Raw brand. So if they start focusing it on Braun, does it pull away from that? That's the first question. And then if they don't focus it on Braun, or he's not even on the show, and he's maybe not even in the Royal Rumble match because he wasn't supposed to be, then we have this guy who did everything that he was supposed to do based on storyline. They took away GMs and authority figures, you know, in terms of, like, uh, heels, so Corbin and Steph, from Raw so that guys didn't get and, and girls didn't get screwed over anymore. He did everything he needed to do. He won the matches he needed to win to get this title shot. And now it's just disappeared. And, and honestly, before we even get to the new challenger and what's going to happen there, what concerns me is this, and I've said it on this show for the last couple of weeks, it... Braun Strowman, to me, is not main event caliber, and more importantly, he's not title caliber. He should not be the universal champion in WWE, right? So if you're going to do this storyline, the only climax that actually makes sense at the end of the day is Braun becoming the universal champion, getting one over on Vince, overcoming the obstacles, so on and so forth. My problem? I don't want to see that. The fans may chant, get these hands. I don't think they want to see that, and I especially don't think they want to see that over someone like a Finn Balor or a Seth Rollins becoming universal champion. No, and, you know, you, you keep bringing up the universal champion thing. Braun should have been universal champion sometime last year. Braun really is, and people take this the wrong way when it's said, Braun is the modern-day Undertaker. Oh. He is a guy that is seen, doesn't have to be the champion, but every once in a while, 
he should have that belt slapped on him for a little bit. But then he he, will, he, will, he could work with him. We, we call it a title here. Or I call it a title. I correct Brian. Uh, See, you don't know. You don't listen to every show, which is, I, which, is, yeah. which is strange considering we work together and I'm actually yeah. technically your boss. It's strange that you don't listen to the podcast every week, but you would know on this show, I do not allow Brian to get away with calling it a belt because Vince McMahon would never let anyone call it a belt. It's a championship title, goddammit. So yeah, yeah, I'm correcting yeah, yeah, yeah. you just like I, I would it. him. Go ahead. Keep going. But, uh, like, Braun Strowman really is the modern-day version of The Undertaker where he should have had that universal title at some point. But he, it has to happen sooner or later. Where, where I'm getting annoyed with Braun and his character is we know we're getting it sooner or later, and now I'm to the point, and th- this might be bad, but now I'm to the point where sometimes I see Braun, and I'm just like, can we just get it over with? Like, when he was scheduled to face Brock originally, I'm not going to lie. I wanted him to just win at the Royal Rumble and then figure something out from there just so we could get this over with. Well, what was the match where he was one-on-one with Brock? Because last year's Royal Rumble, and we'll get to this. This is a nice you know, way of the, the wheel of WWE coming around 360 degrees. Um, last year at the Royal Rumble, it was Braun Strowman and Kane. Now, yes. Kane, Kane took the fall in that match, but Braun lost one-on-one to Brock Lesnar with a single F5. Before that, I think. I just, you know, I was thinking about that the other day because I was going in my head. I said, Crown Jewel, the Royal Rumble triple threat. But what random pay-per-view? No mercy? I don't know. But it did happen before. It it did happen before the Rumble, though. Am I correct? Yeah, I believe it was the same pay-per-view. I could be wrong here. Oh, I believe it was the same pay-per-view where John Cena and Roman Reigns had the match because they were in Los Angeles and Vince pumped up, pumped it up like a WrestleMania card. No mercy. It was no mercy. Yeah. So it was no mercy in Los Angeles. Uh, where, and again, I, like I see where Vince is coming from, where hit another loss to Braun or another loss to Brock Lesnar for Braun would have been very damaging. Absolutely. At this point, it would have been the absolute end. So, but here's here's what I'm not buying completely about this whole thing from Meltzer's report. Now, not saying I'm not buying Meltzer. It's more WWE. You place Braun in this position for what now? Three weeks, give or take. To sell tickets, right, and then you slot Finn Balor in there. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you briefly. I don't think any fan, most fans, are not upset with Finn Balor being in the Braun Strowman position. No, no, they're not upset. But I'm saying I I firmly believe, and I may be wrong. Who knows? You could have just ran with the Finn thing the entire time, and it wouldn't affected ticket sales at all. Because it's Royal Rumble at this point, especially something in Chase Field. It's like WrestleMania. The tickets are going to sell. Yeah. You, you don't have to splash that marquee. with, And especially, like, you're advertising to the fans, hey, you know, this guy who's lost to Brock Lesnar technically three times, two times one-on-one. If I'm a fan, I'm going to go, I don't want to see that again. But if you splash Finn Balor on there, I'm going to buy a ticket to that. Yeah, he's actually lost to him four times because they had the fatal four-way too that he didn't win. Um, oh, gee, oh I'm just saying. Out. But 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 Not but right, the point right. the point though is that so the the thesis of your point is correct, which is if you were going to make Braun Strowman universal champion, they had plenty of time to do it. They could have done it during the Roman Reigns uh, feud. They could have taken the title off Brock, put it on Braun, had them feud together. Okay, uh, they could have done it. You know, at any point after WrestleMania, if they weren't going to go immediately to Roman, they wanted to go to Roman at SummerSlam, that's fine. Then they had the opportunity at Blood Money in the Sand. They said, you know what? We're going to have Corbin screw him over. We're going to play this out, have Braun eventually 
win the title. That's what it seemed like to us. And I believe that was the plan at that time. Okay. I'm sure Vince initially thought, hey, we got to put the title on Braun. But all they needed to do was have Braun beat Brock in Saudi Arabia, change the title there. And you can't tell me, look, I think Brock is extremely talented. Heyman is way better on the mic. Braun cannot cut a promo for crap. Okay. But you can't tell me that Braun, being the Universal Champion on TV every week, couldn't have done exactly as good of a job as Brock Lesnar did from Blood Money in the Sand until now with the title. He could have fought Styles at, um, wait, who did? Oh, Daniel Bryan. Braun, Daniel Bryan. Braun could have fought and beat Daniel Bryan you know, at uh, Survivor Series. They, they could have continued doing what they're doing. And then now coming up to the Royal Rumble, you could have had Braun drop the title potentially to Seth Rollins or... I mean, not Seth Rollins. I'm all over the place today. Right, to right, Finn Balor. Right. Or you he, you could have had him win and have Braun Strowman take the title into WrestleMania and have Seth Rollins beat Braun Strowman at WrestleMania in a moment that maybe not as big as Brock Lesnar. But if this guy was champion for six, eight months, would have been a pretty big moment. So for me, the, the time passed to give Braun Strowman the opportunity with the title. He proved two weeks ago on Raw. He can't cut a promo. I mean, that was scripted out for him. He couldn't remember his lines. It was a bad segment that got worse because he couldn't deliver. And this week, yeah, he can yell, get get these hands, but that's the extent of what he's able to do on the mic. For me, he's not someone who should have the championship. And my biggest concern, and we'll talk about, you know, the fallout here from this move, but my biggest concern is that they have now shifted gears at some point and may want to put Braun Strowman over at WrestleMania as the Universal Champion. That is not who I want as champion. I think that's not who most fans want as champion. No, well, I, I mean, here, here's here's what's going to, like, to your point. Braun Strowman is going to get that Universal Championship at, at some, some point, point. Because yes. Vince McMahon is going to give him a thank you run. Which, going back to your point of when he should have had it, we're going to hate it. When Braun Strowman is finally holding up that Universal title, we're we're going to want to throw up. Because it's going to be just a simple, hey, thanks for everything. You know, you sell to get these hand shirts. Here you go. Here's a little run. We're probably going to take it off you in a month or two. But here you go. Like, that. that's just... But that's it, why it, he doesn't... But that's why he doesn't compare to The Undertaker, the way you said earlier. He really is, and I've said it for a long time on this show, he really is the New Age big show. Because not only well, is... Would yeah. he get the thank you like that? And does he seem to be a good guy, like Paul White seems to be as well, Right. Not only do they have those parallels, the size, uh, the ability to put people over without actually getting hurt by it, all that stuff, but you don't really want to see him as champion, but if they are champion, it's a good way to put over the next champion. And the other thing, of course, is the heel face thing. Braun, you know, since WrestleMania, really, has gone face heel, face heel, face heel, and now he's a face again because he's facing Brock Lesnar. But I don't, I'm not really rooting for him against oh, well, Lesnar. The last thing I want to happen is for Strowman to beat Lesnar at any point. I really don't. Well, I mean, the heel thing, I mean, that was just a, a big eye-opener, once again, like a, a reminder that Vince will always have this reliance on one person. And when Roman went away, he freaked out. Yeah. Like, Vince literally just panicked. When and literally he started making all these panic moves. And Braun going heel was one of the more egregious ones. When because it's like, you didn't have to do that. And literally you, I, or anyone else, if, if when Roman had to step away with leukemia, we probably would have said, okay, let's reset things. Let's think about this. Seth Rollins. Right? Like, you, exactly. you, you just say which, Seth Rollins. That's the guy. Which you're, you, you just said you're worried about Braun WrestleMania. I'm not. I firmly believe 150% that 
probably well not the main event because I still think they're going to do the women. Right. Um, the the big title match at WrestleMania will be Seth Rollins taking out being the man to take out Brock Lesnar. I think that's been the plan for a while, especially going back to I actually there was a time even when Roman was healthy. I believe that WrestleMania 35 was going to be Seth Rollins' spotlight, whether it was a shield triple threat that people have been asking for. I believe like WrestleMania 35 is Seth Rollins' spotlight. And we could see the wheels in motion. So even with what happened with Braun, like I understand where your worry comes from. I'm still not worried. I think Seth Rollins is getting that spot. He's getting that moment. So we'll be fine there. But then when I look at what Braun could do in the future, like you said, what do you do with him now? Right. Uh, it's it that's tough because you don't have him win the Royal Rumble, obviously. I mean, they do have a ready set, you know, Strowman Corbin 18 feud ready because Corbin did cost him this opportunity. Um, but again, that should be like a throwaway five minute match on Raw. Yeah. And then you cross away from that. You're right, though. The question is, what do they do? Perhaps they set up something with Bobby Lashley. And we'll get into that a little bit later they, in the show. I mean, even though the plan was, even though we've heard reported plans of John Cena, the only other thing I could come up with, which now may or may not be a possibility, is a feud with his buddy Lars Sullivan, because they're good friends. And Lars was coming in until oh, we'll see, yeah. all of the report. So I thought maybe they could do Braun Lars, yeah. monster versus monster, but we'll get yeah, to it. It's, it's tricky with Brown now. We'll definitely get to Laura Sullivan and, and all of that coming up. But this segment, this first part of the main event, was really not supposed to be about Braun Strowman. <laughs> although I think we did a good job talking about him. It was supposed to be about the extraordinary man who can do extraordinary things as much as I hate that. Better yet, the man who has. It. Yes, folks, he has. It. And he has so much of. It. That it looks like Vince McMahon finally saw. It. That is Finn Balor becoming the new number one contender for the Universal Championship, set to face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. And, you know, I'll break down kind of how this happened, but I got to be honest, straight off the bat, I loved the promo that Vince McMahon cut on that segment to open the show. You have John Cena in the ring cutting a sick promo, which I actually was going to cut for the show. WWE cut out the most important part, the ruthless aggression part, on their YouTube video, so I could not find it. But you had Cena cut a really good promo. You had Drew McIntyre cutting a really good promo. Baron Corbin, honestly, I don't even know why he was there except for the Braun thing earlier in the show. But then you had Finn Balor come out, state his case, first ever Universal Champion, never got his rematch, never got another opportunity at the title. And Vince McMahon, the king of promos, says that. Actually, that, that stop it. He did get an opportunity. He got an opportunity against Roman Reigns on Raw. Yeah, because Roman, because okay. they sort of wanted to, because at, at the time, I don't think that they sort of wanted to throw away that whole narrative of Finn never got it. So Roman was like, here, I'll give you your shot. He did I get mean. an opportunity, and it was a yeah. great match, and they did play off that he actually could have won it in that spot. It was actually a great match, not a good it match. It was, yeah. But my point is, he never got another chance at like a, a main event, pay-per-view, huge moment like he was when he was the Demon going against Seth Rollins. For the first ever to become the first ever Universal Champion. Anyway, thanks for interrupting. Uh, the the great <laughs> I, got, I I told you I got to do my best BC impression at some point. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, see, I would have been the one correcting BC in that case. That's that's the flip. Um, I loved when Finn is in the ring. He states his case, and Vince comes back with this. There's a lot of beef out here. Oh yeah. There's a lot of beef out here. Uh, and you know that he he very much played to the fan sentiment that Vince only likes big 
guys. When in actuality, Finn may not be big, but damn, is that guy cut? Like it's it's tough to argue that for some certain segments of our uh, listening audience out there. But anyway, Finn Balor comes in, beats Jinder Mahal in a little bit of a confusing situation to confirm his spot in the Fatal Four Way later in the show. He then wins that Fatal Four Way, which honestly didn't love the match. I thought it was kind of clunky, um, but he got to hit the coup de gras on John Cena. Loved that. And then maybe the worst part of the entire show, at least for me, you can tell me whether you agree or not, but John Cena standing up, raising Finn's arm, get, putting him over. It was so unnecessary. Let's put in perspective what happened on this edition of Raw. You had Finn Balor cut out, come out, cut a great promo, state his case why he deserved to be in the match. You had to make the first attack, you know, before that melee that Drew McIntyre ultimately came a, a part of. You had him beat Jinder Mahal, who, yes, he is a former WWE champion, not that he's been acting like one recently, but you had him beat him clean to get into the match, and then you had him win a fatal four-way, beating Drew McIntyre and pinning John Cena clean. That was enough. The fans were amped up. There was a great reaction for Balor. All that John Cena accomplished by speaking and, and raising his arm and, and pointing at him, doing the old rock to Roman Reigns thing, he slowed down the moment he tempered the crowd. The crowd was hot. To me, it ruined it. Not ruined it where it made it, like, terrible, but it took a moment that was a B-plus and made it a B-minus for me. What about you? I loved it. Stop it. I'm, I'm being honest. It was fun. Uncle, jo- Uncle John is back to put people over. He's doing segments with 205 Live guys for crying out loud. I Like, I love what Uncle John's here back doing. Yeah, I refer to him as Uncle John. I don't care. But I love having him back doing Well, that's not stuff. John. I, I don't know who you're talking about. That's Juan. Juan Cena. Juan Cena. Yeah, Juan yeah. Cena's out here playing with the 205 Live. I, I love it. I love it all. No, there's nothing wrong with John just being on Raw, giving him a little... A little, you know, congratulations. But does There's he does he have to grab the microphone and give a speech to put this guy over? Like, here's the thing. Finn Balor didn't need, doesn't need to be put over. Now, if it's someone like Mustafa Ali, who's not totally familiar to the main roster audience, I'm with you. The fans love Finn Balor. The fans know Finn Balor has it. Okay, and the last thing that Vince McMahon or John Cena or anyone needs to do is point at this guy and say, this guy is very good. He deserves to be. You know what? It's like Ronda Rousey last week saying, hey, Sasha Banks is really good. She really deserves to be in this match. Yeah, we know. We've been waiting. Well, let's say hypothetically there are huge, huge plans for Finn Balor. Huge plans. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Fans love Finn Balor. I love Finn Balor. It's, it, I, if I ever meet a person who says they don't like Finn Balor, I'm going to question their, lot, their, their IQ. But at the same time, There's a lot of mainstream people who might not be familiar with the guy. So there's nothing wrong with taking a few minutes of John Cena, of all people, standing in the ring on live television saying, hey, this dude is great. Hey, this dude really could be the next guy. This guy's awesome. Did he need to to have in that little clip? Did he need to cut a promo? Couldn't he have just come up? It wasn't really a promo, Adam. It was a few. Did he need to grab the mic? Did he need to grab the mic and say something at the end of the show? Couldn't Finn have been celebrating, gotten down off the ropes, Seen Cena coming too. Cena standing up, shaking his head, shakes his hand, pats him on the back, raises his arm. Fans cheer again. Show ends. They could have done a lot of things. They could have seen to go to the top of the ramp and give him his old salute or something like that. But I. But that doesn't mean that the the promo that he cut was just so bad that it's going to hurt Finn's just, momentum or anything like, like that. It felt like I was being treated like a child, and it's WWE 
But that's the thing. But just like WWE forced Roman Reigns down everyone's throat, they're not doing that with they don't have to do that with Finn Balor because he's over. Okay. So it felt like you should turn off your uh, ringtone on your phone as well. Uh, we're taping a podcast here. Um, we if <laughs> it felt like WWE was forcing us to believe that this guy is good when we already knew it. They it felt like they were treating me like a child, saying, "Oh, by the way, this is now the guy you should root for because John Cena is putting him over." When we talk about change in WWE, all these things they promised us, it's going away from that. They didn't do that with Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali came in, kicked some ass, and people are like, "Whoa, I should root for this guy. He's really good." We we've, we're already rooting for Finn Balor, but that but that's that was my, what my point was. Like I, I understand where you thought you were being made to feel like a child, but that might not have been the point there. The point was not to to direct the attention at Adam Silverstein or Jack Crosby. Like I said, a mainstream audience. If you could build these clips of John Cena yeah. standing in there giving the rub to Finn, even if it's a promo that diehard wrestling fans might despise a little bit, if that's a means to an end then so be it. It just felt to me like it was unnecessary on a show where they spent the entire show putting Finn over. They gave him the promo early. They had him beat Mahal, overcome the adversity. They had him face-to-face with McMahon. Then they had him win the Fatal 4-Way and pin Cena clean. It just was unnecessary. Now, people may say I'm nitpicking, but I think it's little things like that. I always say this on the show. The little things matter. The little things uh, take something from great to good, from good to great. Those things matter to me, and this is just one of those examples. Now, I do have a DM slide in, and I do have the soundboard, but I have my soundboard. I don't have BCs, so I don't have the uh, Kentucky Long Rifle John Cena you know, DM slide sound. <laughs> so just trust me when I say I have a DM slide, okay? Coming gotcha. in from Zaid Motala at Zaid Motz. He says, hey, guys, longtime listener, first time DM slide from sunny South Africa. Do you think WWE giving Finn Balor a major push in recent weeks is to keep weeks is to keep him happy and his thoughts away from AEW. Uh, to answer your questions, Aid, no, I don't. Uh, I think they're cognizant that AEW exists and may, might be interested in someone like Finn Balor. But Finn is in WWE. I think he's like thirty-seven or thirty-eight years old. He seems really happy, not just because they force him to smile. It, he's in a good spot for his career. Um, and I don't think they're actually concerned about someone like Finn Balor leaving. They pay him. They feature him. He sells a ton of merch. And I don't necessarily think Finn Balor is interested in leaving and really going to AEW so he can fight Kenny Omega. Like, that's nice. That would be fun. That's about it. What about you? No, look, if I'm going to get this brief time here to sit in on the podcast, which I'm sure it won't be the last, but I, I have I to I don't know. So. I mean, so far, eh, we'll see. Go ahead. Uh, get out of here. <laughs> I've... But I've said this on Twitter. You guys have got to stop. And this touches on what Adam and I sort of opened the show with. You have got to stop this stuff of AEW coming right out and just scaring Vince McMahon straight. You cannot keep doing this because I I have to, I'll agree with Adam here. I'll go back on the the agreement track with him. He's 37, 38 years old, whatever he is. He makes a lot of money. His merch sales are great. I don't think there's a lot that AEW can offer him to just pick up and go, you know what? I'm going to leave this for this little upstart. Yeah, and if they did offer more money, Vince would then say, okay, we'll match it. Oh, for Finn? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, now, Meltzer has reported regarding Finn Balor and regarding this whole situation, and we should clarify. This was the plan. So so what Dave is reporting is that Braun was never supposed to actually fight Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. The plan 
was to put Finn Balor in this spot to run an angle like this to get him an opportunity. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons, assuming that's true. And I do tend to believe what Dave reports, especially considering he teased this before the show even started. And he's been saying this about Finn Balor, that he's been in line for a major push for like a month now. Okay, so a couple thoughts on that. Right off the top, it's it's great that Finn Balor is getting a push, right? My concern on it, and I, I don't want to be too Debbie Downer, my concern on it is it's short. And it's, you know, why not give him a full month of a push and, and move him into maybe the Intercontinental Championship, you know, situation if you're not going to give him the Universal title instead of literally two weeks and then the go-home show, which is going to be next week. It's a little bit short, even though he's been winning matches and going over and getting cheered. So that that's the first thing. And the second thing is this is just so ironic that legitimately... 12 months ago, it was reported and it seemed pretty clear that Finn Balor was going to get this opportunity against the same man at the <laughs> same event. And WWE decided, and Vince McMahon, I should say, decided to allow Kane to beat him clean in like a seven-minute <laughs> match, burying Finn Balor for a Braun Strowman Kane-Brock Lesnar triple threat match. That was horrible, okay? And then Balor, that's when Balor started this whole like, over thing that, you know, he, yep. he tweets about it. He has the shirt OV forever, but O-V-E-R is capitalized. And this whole thing started of like fans telling him, hey, Finn Balor's over. According to Meltzer, Vince apparently realized this a couple months ago, maybe six months ago, something like that. And now Balor is back in the spot that he should have had a year ago. That is just so ironic to me. I love it. Oh, it's great. But to further on that report, what I think my favorite of it all, was that Brock Lesnar was sort of the guy that said, we're doing this. Well, Brock likes working with AJ Brock, Styles. He likes and, working with Daniel Bryan. He and, likes working yes, with him now. This, this is where, and I told you this during Survivor Series. I said, look, we could give Brock Lesnar a, a flack for a lot of things. And most of it is understandable. But what I will not fault Brock Lesnar for is that when he is in there with people he wants to work with, that dude will go all out to make that other person like when Finn hits those shotgun drop kicks on Brock come the Royal oh, Rumble, it's be sick. Brock Brock is going to make it look like he got shot by a literal shotgun. Right. And he's going to do everything he can to make Finn look like like we've been waiting for Finn to this this match at the Royal Rumble against Brock Lesnar is even if he does not win, this is going to be one of Finn Balor's crowning moments on the main roster because he is going to take Brock Lesnar to the limit and Brock is going to smile all the way to the back. Just like when, just like he did after Daniel Bryan, when the cameras caught him smiling and telling Bryan, "Holy, sh that was awesome!" Right. Well, he. <laughs> the thing about that match that I don't even think we talked about on this show, but my favorite thing, there was a footprint on Brock Lesnar's face because he basically said to Daniel Bryan, "Kick yeah. me in the damn face, I'll take it." And, and he'll do the same with Finn. Like this is going to be so much fun, man. Yeah. I, I'm getting goosebumps right now. This is so great. It's going to be great. Uh, we got another DM slide from Jono at Boogie Science. He says Finn versus Lesnar. Is a match I never thought would happen, yet here we are. How does WWE expect me to believe this match will be anything less than a squash match? Although I'd love for him to win, I can't see Finn beating Brock. Well, I'm going to answer this briefly, and then we're going to move on. Finn losing does not mean it's going to be a squash, okay? It could be an 18-minute match, okay, and maybe longer, but it could be an 18-minute match of high-intensity, awesome wrestling, and Finn can lose to Brock because maybe he does the coup de grace, Brock grabs his feet, picks him up in an F5, slams him, Finn kicks out, he does another one, match is over, right? You can put Finn Balor over in a loss to Brock Lesnar. It You do not get buried by losing to Brock. You get buried by losing to someone like Kane. Well, That's really quick, like, 
you just touched on another thing. Where another thing Brock Lesnar is very, very good at with certain opponents that he likes is making the loss look like not that I was better than you. It was you made a mistake. Glaring example, Samoa Joe. He told Samoa Joe, you made one mistake and I capitalized on it. Right. Like you could have beaten me, but you didn't. Now, the biggest issue, though, and that's a bring up Samoa Joe is great because Samoa Joe looked like a star in that match. Okay, he put him over to the point where I was like, I think Samoa Joe is actually going to win the universal title, which I wanted at the time. And I've wanted him to win the WWE championship against Styles and all that. But he made Samoa Joe legitimate there. The biggest issue, and this is where it does scare me that Finn is in this position at the Royal Rumble. The biggest issue with, with Samoa Joe, they never did anything with that. Now, that did put him over as dominant. It allowed him to be in really strong feuds against Roman, uh, against AJ Styles, etc. But Samoa Joe doesn't win any of these feuds, and he certainly hasn't won a title. With Finn, it's like, okay, you're going to give him this push, and it's great. What happens Monday after he loses? Yeah. What What are you going to do with him? Is he going to be the next challenger for Lashley? Are you going to hold that off a little bit? Are we going to push that maybe to WrestleMania? That's a uh, good WrestleMania match. I would watch that. That'd be great. Well, yeah, because the thing is, like, we we touched on Finn having a great showing against Brock. So Finn has a great showing against Brock. He looks like a le- more than a legitimate threat to take that Intercontinental title from Lashley. Right. He does. Yeah. And, and, he, and he, he's also someone who could be involved in a feud I can't necessarily think of the exact perfect person right now, but with someone else that's big on Raw as a interim, he be, he wins that one, so he gets a win back, and then he sets himself up for an Intercontinental Championship feud. So there are things that can happen here, and I got a lot of DMs, a lot of DMs, all asking the same question. Why do I feel like Finn has a legitimate shot to beat Brock Lesnar, and they might actually do it? And I will admittedly say I thought the same thing, and it's not... Outside the realm of possibility. But if you're telling me that Vince might consider going with like Finn Seth Rollins at WrestleMania as opposed to Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar, I just don't see that unless Brock has said to Vince, I'm going to do UFC, I need to drop the title. If that is the case, I could see Finn Balor going over and winning the title. But if that's not the case, I don't see Brock dropping it until WrestleMania. Uh, the only the only thing I could see, I, I don't see it either. Like I, I told you before, I see Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar as the universal title match in New York. Yeah. But the thing is, if they do plan on having the women main event, that gives them a little more leeway to shy away from Brock and do maybe a Finn Seth. Uh, true. That's true. Because if they're not going to be the last match, then, you know, Vince will have no problem saying, all right, let's take this title off Brock. And. Like you said, rest, you know, taking the title off Brock depends a lot on UFC, and John Jones already has a fight lined up for early this year. Daniel Cormier will probably have one very soon, uh, depending on what his situation is. So it's very possible. Like the, the, all that is still in play. And I'll tell you, I would not mind at all Seth Rollins, Finn Balor for the Universal Championship, and Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman in a singles match. I'm fine, and have Braun win. That's okay. That's a better See, that's a better answer for me in fact. Yeah, that that's one thing I really if there's cuz Brock Lesnar, you know, they keep his contract status a, a mystery at all times. Right. But if there's one thing I want to know and it may not be a contract, maybe Brock personally. But is there something where like he has to be the champion because I tell like when people say I want Brock Lesnar gone. I don't want Brock gone. And people think I'm nuts when I say that. I say I don't want him gone. I just don't want him being the champion. Right. There's two, that's two different things. I yeah. think Brock could stick around and do the part-time thing and have great one-on-one feuds with guys like, you know, a Braun Strowman, 
he could do that. So, but yeah, to, to your point, that that wouldn't be bad at all. Well, th- and that's what I've really said to BC over the last you know two years, really, which is he's just a bad champion because you need. The champion not being around, it's a noticeable absence. Now, what WWE's done a really good job on with Raw, and we'll move into this, um, is they've elevated the women's championship by giving it to Ronda Rousey, the Raw women's championship. So the Brock not being there has felt a little bit less now than it was a year ago and two years ago, but it still felt. And we ha- we do have to, to finish up Raw, the Raw portion of this main event. We do have this build between Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks, uh, who's the new number one contender for the Raw women's championship. And it continued... On Monday, they basically were in a tag team match, uh, ultimately won because Sasha Banks never tagged in Rousey, which I kind of liked against Nia Jax and Tamina. She basically won the match by herself. And they got into this contentious back and forth um, with Rousey continually putting Sasha Banks over and saying she can't wait to beat her. And then Banks turning on that boss attitude, which I kind of liked, if I'm being candid, and kind of coming back and saying, well, I'm glad you want to face me. But <laughs> you think you're going to beat me? No, it's not going to go down that way, right? I love this match. I love the fact that we're getting Rousey Banks. Um, you know, Sasha is someone I've been advocating for for the really the, the entire entirety of this podcast existing. She has not really been in the title picture. I love that she's in the title picture. I think this is a great match to have at the Royal Rumble. I don't love that she may not be in the Royal Rumble because of it. We'll figure that out, you know, down you know, on the show. We'll figure out if they actually put her in. Um but the build to this, the entirety of it, it's just falling short for me. The fact that, they, again, just like Finn Balor, they feel like Ronda Rousey needs to put over Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is really good. I can't wait to fight her. No, Sasha Banks should be coming out and saying, hey, you've run through this roster. You haven't beaten the boss. In fact, I haven't even gotten an opportunity. I'm challenging you at the Royal Rumble. Why is that so hard? I mean, I understand. I understand the frustration with it because this all does seem kind of hot shotted. And like when you, when Ronda Rousey came in last year and you started uh, thinking up dream feuds in your head, obviously Sasha Banks was one of them. And this kind of feels like it was hot shotted. But top at the three. same time, top three for me, honestly. I understand that this is all a means to an end to the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. That's all this is. It's just I'm sure Ronda. Because what do we have? Two pay per views in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Yeah, it would not shock me if Bailey is one of her opponents. And then the night after WrestleMania, here comes Shayna, Marina, and Jess. And then I think you ride that wave. Although, like I, I understand that Survivor Series is the popular choice. I get it, four on four. Right. But I think SummerSlam is where this all culminates. So basically. It's great that we get to see the Sasha Ronda match finally, and it'll I I think it'll be one of the best matches on the card. It has the opportunity to be the best. I agree, but it's just a means to an end. Yeah. All of this is just a means to it. It just put all the pieces in your head together. She screws over Charlotte and Becky. Yeah, she's facing Sasha. Like I said, would not shock me if Bailey is one of her opponents coming up at one of these pay per views. I do also. And, and, I do also think the death of Jim the Anvil Nyhart kind of threw a wrench okay. into this because it, it really did seem like they had planned to turn Natty yeah. heel and have maybe one or two matches with Rousey. Not having that ability yeah. really kind of screwed things up. And I do like the upcoming, I think it's going to be next week on Raw, the tag team match that we're going to have Natty and Ronda against the Boston Hug Connection. I think that's going to work out and be pretty solid. Um, yeah. And again, I'm thrilled. I'm so excited for this match. I just, I hate when I know things can be done better even within the realm of what WWE is trying to do. I'm not saying change the booking. I'm simply saying change a word, change a phrase, 
change who challenges who, those very little items make a major difference. And if you had Sasha coming out and making that challenge and Bailey had her back and she's like, yeah, I want you to go for this, Sasha. Go for, maybe there's a backstage segment where she's like, hey, man, I, I kind of want to go out there and tell Ronda off. And Bailey's like, you should. And she goes out and does it. That's just so much easier and better than Ronda trying to put her over. We don't need Ronda to put Sasha over. We don't need John Cena to put Finn Balor over. We, they're over. People love them. That's, that's where I come from. No, I, and I get it. That, that, that's a fair point. But like I said, like I, it's, it, it's frustrating at times, but I also understand that in my mind, I believe there's a means to an end here. And this is just all trying to fit the pieces together. Because I think that I think that's maybe not the big surprise the night after WrestleMania, but it's it'll be one of the big ones with the three NXT girls coming to help her, their friend out finally because they've been crappy friends, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, the second part of the main event, we'll move on to SmackDown. And I'm going to proposition an easy question off the bat. What do you think is the main feud on SmackDown right now? Is it Becky Lynch, Asuka, or is it AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan? Becky Lynch and Asuka. And is that based on time that it's being given or something else? Well, are, actually, I have to counter that with a question. Are you asking me what in my preference is? No. What do you think they... Or what do you think they think is? Correct. Oh, I, 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 I think it's Becky and Asuka. Because I think that they legitimately are trying to ride this Becky wave all they can. So I think what they're doing with Brian and AJ is just giving them, if you want to call it, I guess is the only word you could use, creative segments to keep people interested. Yeah. Because the problem here's the problem with AJ and Brian too, you know people understand after a while how the machine works. People know that more than likely AJ Styles is not going to beat Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble. They know that this is just to get both of them finally away from each other so they can go down their respective WrestleMania roads. Right. Whereas Becky and Oscar is something that you take a step back and go, whoa, wait, because this is the Oscar of old we're getting. They finally got her back on the pedestal she deserved, and now you got the. Becky Lynch, you know, as red hot as she is, and now these two are going at each other. So that I think they see as the main feud on the blue brand. And then AJ and Brian, they're just trying to they're trying to keep entertaining for the next couple of weeks until they can move on. I so I agree with that thesis. Um here's the point. So Styles and Brian, it was a fine segment on Tuesday, right? It was super short, but it was a fine segment. My biggest issue with this feud, though, they're not giving them any time on TV. And it's not like they're not giving them, it's not like it's a non-title feud and just two guys that people like and so therefore it's a secondary thing for them. They put Miz and Shane McMahon against the bar as the extended main event of this show. So, okay, it doesn't have to be AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, but why not do that women's segment to end the show? And if you're going to have the women's segment end the show, then why not have a Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles segment to end the show? Instead, they shoved those two together. They literally crossed paths on yeah. the show. Um, and I, I just don't feel like they're doing the Styles-Bryan feud justice, especially when we just saw the first match between them, and it was fan-freaking-tastic. So you know fans are hot for it. Why are you giving us three minutes on this with AJ Styles cutting a promo that you can barely hear over fans screaming in the concourse Daniel Bryan attacking him. There's no follow-up later in the show. And then you go, and that's my issue with that. And then yeah, you, but, the, but the follow-up on Twitter for Bryan uh, was, was great, good. though. Did you it see great. it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, it doesn't count as tele like, your point's television, but Bryan's follow-up on Twitter was tremendous. Yeah, no, it was. Um, but it just, they're not really selling it now. They could come back with the go-home show next week and actually give us some meat to chew on, as BC likes to say. 
Um, but they just haven't yet. Regarding Asuka and, Be- and uh, Becky Lynch, I thought that was fine. I loved the opening to the show. Becky coming in in the SUV, you never, ever... First of all, you usually see authority figures do that. Maybe champions, maybe huge male stars like a Brock Lesnar or a Roman Reigns. You've, I've never seen a woman come in in that way where there's an interviewee waiting for them to talk to her, to ask her questions. They asked her about Asuka. If she was ready for it, she brushed it off. That was great. You had the awesome segment with New Day, uh, Otis uh, Dozovich um, with the shake, a fantastic camera pan. We give them crap for their camera work a lot, panning away from the disgusting one they made, coming back on camera with one that was digestible. Um, Becky taking a sip. Xavier Woods unzipping his jacket to show the man shirt, like flipping out because he loves her so much. It put Becky over. New Day got a good laugh. It helped put heavy machinery over a little bit. And it's like, oh, yeah, these guys are funny. They're someone that you should care about because they're in a segment with the hottest person in the company and the hottest tag team in the company. I thought that was extremely well done. The back and forth in the ring was well done between Asuka and Bailey. Um, the matches I thought were pretty good. The issues I have that I'll poke into, two. One, Asuka you can actually understand her when she speaks English, just not when she screams English. For some reason, they only let her scream on the mic. I don't get it. It's very difficult to understand her. The second thing, and this I know you want to talk about, they've kind of ruined the Iconics. Like, they were really good in NXT. I'll give, you're shaking your head. They were really good in NXT. Taking away the whole, you know, the future is iconic and having them do like the Superman pose, um, being... Not just annoying and bitches, which is really their gimmick, but like overly annoying ear piercing. It's gone way too far for me. I hated it. You go ahead. Tell me what you think. I mean, I am. I'm heartbroken. Adam knows <laughs> a lot of I, it, the iconics are not supposed to be that corny. They were not that corny in NXT. Exactly. They weren't even close. Now they had they had their funny skits, but they were nowhere close to what these main roster writers think they actually are. Yep. Now, is there a fix for them? I believe there is. Like, there's always. To, I'm I'm of the belief that I, I like you. I I know you guys use a lot. BC uses a lot when I talk to him. I've heard you use it. I I stay away from the term buried a lot. I'm not a fan of it until it's absolutely necessary. They've been buried. Now, I, I don't think so. But you got to slap those tag team championships on them. You have to. Because for a while, I've, I think I've told you this before. I think it's way too obvious that Sasha and Bailey are winning those white belts, or white titles. We're, we're going to be talking Sorry. about, we're going to be talking titles. We're going to be talking about the but, women's tag team championships. So don't go too much on that. Okay. But go but, ahead. But what I'm saying is there is a fix for the Iconics. But I, I'm, I am getting legitimately sick and tired of either not seeing them for a regular basis. And when you do see them, they are just presented as the one of the corniest things. And this is saying something about WWE. And I'm not using hyperbole. One of the corniest things I have ever seen. And those two women are way too talented to be dealing with stuff like that. Well, they're too talented on the mic. Uh, you know, I thought I think from seeing those matches, the fact that each of them have, have wrestled for, I think, the better part of a decade... Mm-hmm. They just don't measure up to the best women's wrestlers in the company. Now, if you if you give Billy Kay time, maybe I tell, if you give Billy time, Billy will give you a I've watched Billy for years. OK, Billy will give you a great match when she's given time. It's possible, but they're just it's still to me a different caliber in ring performer. OK, but they're great. Both of them are great on the mic when they're allowed to 
even if it's written material for them, when they're allowed to be themselves, but they've turned them into a... What they've done, they saw the iconic duo, which was a better name. Uh, yeah. They saw the iconic duo, and they said, okay, let's make caricatures of them. And that's what the iconics are. And it's... it's I People from Australia, There's we have a lot of Australian listeners, believe it or not, which is strange. But they've come to us and said, that is a stereotypical Australian way that young women act sometimes, the way that they're talking and yelling and screeching and all that, right? And okay, I'm okay with doing that. It's just, they took it from like a 12, which is what they were, to a 22. And it's it's so over the top that it finds me not enjoying them when all I want to do is enjoy them on screen because I do think they're talented. That said, I thought Becky in this segment was fantastic throughout. Her mannerisms were great. The promo she cut was really good. I know fans are some fans are getting a little bit tired of her pompous attitude, but that's the character. I mean, Steve Austin didn't like turn off being a badass to, for a change of pace. He was a badass, and he did the same thing every week. Give me a hell yeah, two middle fingers on the top rope, th- you know, throwing for the beers or, or calling for the beers. I'm okay with that. I think yeah. Becky's doing great. Asuka, I already gave you my piece on her. I'm really excited for that match. Th- third part of the main event here, moving us along. We're now a few weeks into what... WWE promised would be not necessarily a new era, but change coming to both shows. And at least as far as I'm concerned, Jack, I think we saw it more this week than we had previously. And not just in terms of who is being pushed, which is a huge importance, right? Um, You have the Mustafa Ali's, you have Finn Balor getting opportunities, you have some more women showing their faces. But just the way the shows have been booked and written the continuity going from the start to the finish, the fact that they played out this number one contender storyline for the entirety of Raw, that rather than just cutting to from one segment to the next and using the announcers, let's say, as the uh, you know go-between, they would do backstage segments where they showed other stars interacting with each other, Lacey Evans watching the match, all this type of stuff. It just felt more organic and real to me than it has in quite some time um, and I do think that changes are being made to the on-air product and storytelling, but I don't necessarily think that I have yet seen proof that change has come to WWE. I do think giving Daniel Bryan the title is a step in the right direction. Some other things that happened that we're going to talk about in Hero is Zero, I think are steps in the right direction. But until you do something like put Finn Balor in this match with Brock Lesnar, and have him win. And until you do things like start pushing different types of storylines that are not formulaic, and until you do things like stop scripting every single damn promo, those are real changes. Do you agree with me, or do you think that this is even more further along than I'm saying? See, from the moment that this new era, quote-unquote, was announced, I decided, I made a conscious decision, I'm not going to fall into this trap. Right. Why, Why is it a trap? Because it's WrestleMania season. And it always gets better. It always gets better. So don't feed. Now, if you want me to answer a question, be it from you here on the show or anybody else, if you want to come to me and say, and say, Jack, what do you think of this new era? I'll answer that question in about May, June and say, okay, now what are you going to show me? Right. Like, what did you do at WrestleMania? Number one. And then number two, how did you follow up on what you did from WrestleMania? Because I, I do, I did find it from the very beginning to be very, very convenient on their end. 
that as WrestleMania season hits, they go, ah, it's a new era. And it's like, oh, so when you always get your viewers back. So now what you can do is when ratings spike, which they normally do around this time, is you could say, ah, the new era. It's like, no, this usually happens around this time of year. This has nothing to do with anything you're doing to the product. This has nothing to do with anything you're showing me on TV. This is just what normally happens around this time. Now, when you can fix your issues after WrestleMania, that little lull between there and SummerSlam, then I'll buy it. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. The only thing I think WWE really did was fast-forwarded some of the storylines and things that they were going to introduce. Because the ratings were so bad, and they were so low, that they said, okay, we were going to introduce all these NXT stars maybe on the road to WrestleMania. We're going to start telling you that they're coming. And all they've yep. really done with them up until up until this week was vignettes. And that's okay. I like vignettes. That worked out. But it was the same vignettes every single week for like yeah. three weeks, right? It was just the same ones over and over again. So I'm okay with that. I think one or two little minor changes may have actually taken place. One of them being Mustafa Ali. Yeah. I don't feel like that was in the cards, okay? And then possibly Andrade Cien Almas and possibly this Bobby Lashley situation. And we'll get to all that. But for the most part, I agree with you. It's WrestleMania season. This is when business picks up. I don't necessarily believe that Vince has like become enlightened to what the Smarks want, let's say. I simply think they said, hey, we had a lot of these things in, in place that we're going to do for WrestleMania. Let's move them along a little bit faster. Let's give them a little bit of taste. And that's why the last three weeks got progressively better. Now, SmackDown's been very good for a long time, but Raw progressively has gotten a little bit better and a little bit better. This edition of Raw is one of the best that they've had in months, and you know what? It proved itself in the ratings. It was the highest-rated Raw since September 10th. Now, what help, What happened in that time frame? Well, Monday Night Football. That That's really the number one thing. Uh, and also, WWE's gone up against, like, presidential addresses, and all, a lot of other things have happened on Monday night that have prevented the holiday, the entire holiday season, people not being home in front of their televisions and maybe watching on YouTube instead. But this was the highest rated episode since September 10th. And two of the clips on YouTube from the show, the Braun Strowman one, and obviously the Alexa Bliss one were like the high, the two highest trending videos on YouTube. So to me, it's at least saying that yes, things are moving in the right direction. But to your point, Jack, they're supposed to move in the right direction for WrestleMania season. Yeah, like, don't tell if this is something brand new when this is something, like, I told you guys at the beginning of the show how long I've been watching wrestling. Like, this is something I see every year at this time. But, I, I mean, I guess I get what they're coming from. Or I get where they're coming from, sorry. Uh, but, like I said, I will I will firmly, I will answer that question to anyone who asks me, like I said, May, June. Then I will be more than happy to say, okay, here's this new era that we're experiencing. Because, like you said... Vince McMahon is, didn't all of a sudden just have the epiphany that say, you know what? My product is pretty crap, so I'm just going to overhaul it. No, yeah. that did not happen. Now, the other thing I'll say is nine months from now, next September, if we see their September through December next year be way better than it was this past year, yes. then maybe we can also say, you know what? They learned that they mailed it in way too much in well, 2018. You, you, you can't really say that because, again, the Fox era. True. So no matter what happens, things will be good. Football, otherwise, things will be good. True. And, but to that point, we also don't know what changes are coming. Remember the rumor that they're taking the brand split away, which, you know, I, I, I 
think that might have, but no, we can't really say that this year because they're going to go all out to, so they make sure that they look like they're earning their right. their billions of dollars. Right, but right, right. I get, I get what you're saying. No, that's that's a really good point. That does happen in October next year, and also yeah. SummerSlam is you know two months before that in August. So it's not like they would slow down, you know, in uh, May through June or July. You know, you wouldn't expect that because they have to build to SummerSlam. So no, that's a really good point. Um, now we do have plenty of show left. Before we get to it, a quick word. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, we are back, and you know what's coming up next. Hero or Zero. All right, Jack, the way this works, you ask me a question. I give you an answer. We go back and forth. Hit me with the first one. I know for a fact you're going to love this one. Go for it. Okay, Adam, you've called Andrade, redacted, redacted, a <laughs> top five main roster worker in WWE, which Brian disagrees with. Do you think this match with Rey Mysterio on SmackDown that took place Tuesday night was the start of a legitimate push for him? Guys, I don't have the siren on this uh, soundboard today with the third man. Um, I would hit that siren. I would rev the engine. Man, Andrade Cien Almas has it. And yes, I'm going to keep calling him Andrade Cien Almas because Cien Almas, 100 souls, is the best part of his name. I'm going to get to that in a second. Real quick, this match with Rey Mysterio was incredible. Not good, not great for TV. It was incredible. That could have main evented a pay-per-view. That's how good it was. I'm very curious to see what Meltzer gives it from a star rating in the Observer this week. I don't usually wait for his ratings, but for me, no, he's holding up three. No, no. Four, 4.25 star match. That was a hell of a match. That's what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a 4.25. I might even, you know, I'm not going to go 4.5. Four, I, went, I went 4.5. Four, I did. Four point two last night. Yeah. 4.25 star match. Really damn good. You put that on a pay-per-view, I'd probably give it a little bit of a higher rating. I, I Look, look. I cannot tell you how many tweets I received, and I wish that BC was on the show today. I cannot tell you how many tweets I received saying, how dare BC disagree with you, Jack, to, to clue you in. A couple weeks ago, I said Andrade Cien Almas is a top five in-ring worker on the WWE main roster. BC didn't just disagree. He wholeheartedly disagreed with that. Okay? I have, I have to have a talk with him. Okay. So I cannot tell you the number of tweets I got saying, holy crap, you're right. And even people that agreed with BC saying, I don't know what we were thinking, Silver King. Of course you're right. Well, of course I'm right, folks. I'm always right. Andrade Cien Almas is a top five main roster worker in WWE. And after Tuesday, I might actually put him in the top three for the men. That is how damn good that match was. It was an absolute hero. I believe, actually believe they are going to give this man a push. And I think there is a perfect setup right now with Rusev being a face U.S. champion and Andrade Cien Almas being a heel with Zelina Vega. They are bound to meet. Now I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room, and you knew I was going to. Taking away 
those names. My God, I will. I will admit. I will admit. When they took Samson away from Elias, I pitched a fit, and in retrospect, I was wrong. Elias as a single name superstar works. Cesaro and Rusev, they took away their first names. That works. They could have called this guy Cien. They could have called him Cien Almas and taken away Andrade, and I would have loved it. But what they did instead was take the one name that means nothing and just said, this guy who's a regular person, he's not a beast like Cesaro and Rusev. He's a regular dude, right? Now he doesn't have a, 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 sl- a catch phrase or a, a moniker of Cien, nor a last name in Almas. He's just Andrade, which, by the way, is one of his four real names. Um, yep. That's a zero. I hate it. Andrade Cien Almas was great. Cien, Cien Almas would have been great. Andrade as a name sucks. What about you? I think you guys are taking this way too seriously. But look, you just, the guy, I agree. With, I actually, t- I'll take your thing a step. I thought he was a top three worker before last night. But then again, like I said, I- I'm psychotic with independent wrestling. I've been watching him. I've been watching him for a very, very long time. So I, I'm biased in that regard. But you guys are taking this too far. Because in six months, a year, no one's going to remember this. They may not remember it, but that doesn't mean it's not bad. Like, I don't sit around every time. I get get it. First name, last name. But I don't get to sit around all the time and go, boy, you know what? That Cesaro was just crazy talented. But God damn, I miss Antonio Cesaro. Because it was his first name, and it's a stupid name, Antonio. Or or crap, I miss Big E Langston. Like, if if they're doing the work that that entertains me. I don't care what you call them. Okay. I know I sound crazy. I don't care what you call them. If they're entertaining me, that's all I need. All right. First of all, I'm not saying it's the end of the world, but I'm simply saying it's dumb and unnecessary. When they pulled the cruise off Apollo cruise, and apparently they did it for that, you know, guy who was in the news Ah, for for shooting up the school. Um, that was an overreaction, but at least it had, there was a reason they did it. They did it because something in the news and Vince was worried about it again overreaction really stupid okay yeah. but this again there's just no rhyme or reason and what's really strange the titantron that he had been using for his entirety yeah. of the main roster run had two words on it cn almas it's yeah. not having drawdy now not only did they do it they forced it down our throats by showing his name on the graphic when he walked to the ring which they don't do for everyone and they and they kept saying andrade 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 trying to hammer it into our heads they actually did this a couple of weeks ago with lashley now lashley is a unique enough name and again it's a last name and he's a beast where it's Bobby is weak. You don't need to be called Bobby Lashley. They tried doing that a couple weeks ago. I actually didn't even realize it. Someone had to point it out to me. And that would have worked because I didn't even realize it. This was so noticeable. It's just unnecessary. That part of it is a zero. Be, uh, by the way, Jack, the, the way we play yeah. this game is we give our opinions and then we have to say hero or zero. That's the whole. That's why it's called that. Oh, okay. I so get you would it. say I it so you sick. would say hero. Yes, he's a top worker in the company. Yeah. Zero on the name change or hero on the name change if, if that's what you believe. Okay. Well, definitely hero on the name change. But my only gripe is that that I would like I don't I don't mind them changing names. I, I truly don't. But what I'm gonna zero on, go ahead, is doing it when they've been established on the main roster. If you're gonna do if you if you're gonna pull the trigger on it, that's fine. But do it before you introduce them to the main roster audience. Go to Triple H and NXT and go to the performer and say, look, I'm bringing you up, but here's what we're going to do. Because to me, to, I know a lot of people don't think like this. But to me, also, it creates a lot of unnecessary work for the merchandise team on the main roster. I mean, I don't even know if he had a, a, I don't know if he had a new shirt. Yeah, I'm not sure what he had, but 
I, I know he had I know he had some things. So I'm saying if they say Andrade Cienamas, then you go to these people and they're like, hey, guess what? Last night Vince came, he was in this kind of mood, and he changed his name. Well, that's what we literally interviewed New Day, and we asked Big E, what happened with Langston? Like, like yeah. how did that go down? He said he literally walked in backstage one day, and like a producer or like someone else just walked up to him and said, hey, you're no longer Langston. <laughs> And that was it. Like, Vince didn't ask him. He didn't bring it up to Vince. He just well, was no longer Langston. Well, what happens is Vince is watching something on a performer. Why the hell does this guy have three like, names? This doesn't make any that, sense. That bad pal. I, I, I just don't like the name. We got to get rid of the name. He tells the producer. He tells the producer, ah, get him when he comes to the building and tell him. Yeah. And the, and the producer goes, what do you want me to tell him, Vince? That name doesn't exist. Really? Yeah, do it now, pal. And then, <laughs> that's what happens. It's incredible. All right, Jack. Second part of Hero Zero here. They teased NXT talent debuting on Raw and SmackDown um, for weeks now. But they all made quick appearances on both shows this week. And it wasn't explained immediately. But shortly thereafter that, they're going to be appearing on both shows so fans can see them before their brands are designated. And I almost had a panic attack because it started with Nikki Cross on Raw, which is the worst decision they can make on any of them being on a specific brand. That is the worst one. One DM slider I got said he thinks it was the laziest debut of NXT call-ups yet. Was it the right call rather than debuting them the old way, hero or zero? I'm going to zero that because, uh, and I want people to understand this because we have a recent example of this. His name's Elias, where you introduce the character first. How many times did we have NXT call-ups? I mean, you can use an Apollo Crews, for example, where we look at it, like in-ring talent is not everything. OK, we we get people that came up from NXT. And one of the first questions for fans is, OK, but who are they? Right. What exactly are they? And then WWE never explains it. So you can't complain now where they're taking the time in their own way to say, here's here's the character. How many weeks did Elias walk around with that guitar before he actually stepped into a ring? It was a while. Yeah. Before, that's all he did. Now you got EC3 posing in the back in a mirror. You have Nikki Cross acting like a psycho. You have Lacey Evans being Lacey Evans. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Look, I'm not a Lacey Evans fan, but I'm sorry. Maybe she can change my mind. But I honestly, I, I'm, but not, I'm not a huge fan and, of her either, but I love the gimmick. And then, of course, you have Otis. Yeah. And no disrespect to Tucker. Yeah. But, you know, fans got a heavy dose pun intended, of who Otis Dozovich really is. And I like that. Like, give us a few weeks to learn who these people actually are. Well, they did give us a heavy dose of Otis, but it was, like, NXT took Otis from whatever he was, turned him up to 12. Now he's, like, 17. Like, he's just... It, it was so... It, the, the Alexa Bliss segment, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, like, I honestly didn't love... Otis, I liked him showing up. I didn't like him just like mumbling words and, you know, it was just, it was too over the top. It was almost like he was in the oddities as opposed to a real human being who's just, it, yeah. who's just weird. Um, it, well, what also made it weird, like if anyone follows his social media, I understand this would be intersecting storylines. It makes more sense Mandy for Rose. him to do something like that with Mandy Rose. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's way better with Mandy because Alexa, it did. I get where people, I wasn't mad about it. Like a lot of people were the whole Alexa thing. I mean, it came off as a little creepish, but that, I mean, that's what Otis is. It just, it was with the wrong person. It just wasn't done. Well, I think is the biggest issue. It just didn't make sense the way it did. Had Otis been the one to take the coffee from the guy 
and yeah. knock on her door. Oh, and then he starts, oh, you know, he gets, starts oh. getting excited. Now you have a moment. I'll hear all that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so to answer the, to answer the DM slide saying it was the laziest debut of NXT talent. I agree with Jack. That's a total zero. Um, I, the actual introduction of them for me was a hero. I did get concerned with the Nikki cross thing. As I mentioned earlier, she needs to be on SmackDown. She needs to be in sanity. It's the only way they're going to get over. They've already, they haven't buried sanity to to use your term, but they're close and they're, they're, they're non-existent is the biggest issue. Nikki cross makes them legitimate. It's that's a credit to Nikki that I think people overlook a lot. And for people that complain about sanity and my wife actually tells me this because yeah. my wife's into wrestling too. She's the linchpin. She said this numerous times. She makes them. Yeah. And I said, and that's a credit to her because she's a talented performer, but she makes that group. Yeah. She's the linchpin of it. Uh, I, I do just to, since you mentioned her, I do like Lacey Evans gimmick. I don't like her in the ring. I love the gimmick. I like the old school, you know, feel of it. And I, and I hate the finisher. But I love the name. The Women's Right is the perfect name for a finisher like that. Uh, I think she has a bright future in WWE. Whether fans like it or not, Vince is going to love her. And I think the writers will love her too because there's just so much you can do with someone who acts like a proper lady but is a total heel and cheats the entire time. It's a great heel persona. I think it's really going to work. Hit me with the third part of this. Okay, Hero Zero. WWE announced more information on the women's tag titles this week. Are they handling everything the right way, Adam? Hero zero. Uh, it's a zero. And I said this um, after coming out of Christmas with Vince McMahon clause, kind of just mentioning that they were going to do these titles that we've been waiting so long to hear about. And then just saying, hey, it'll happen sometime in 2019, never providing more information. And then you have Alexa Bliss in this segment. And I think we're still going to hold off talking about that segment. But the moment of Bliss with no prompting, the entire show, hey, Alexa Bliss has a huge announcement. Alexa Bliss is going to announce something about the women's tag team championships. Nothing. They literally just start the segment where you know the part of the main part of the segment is going to be her interviewing Paul Heyman. Yeah. And they just say, oh, before that happens, um, by the way, this is what we're going to do with the women's tag team titles. There's going to be a six-team match at Elimination Chamber. And, oh, yeah, here they are. And reveals them. I mean... It's so lazy. It's it's WWE taking something that fans organically wanted, A, then trying to thrust it in their faces with the fake signs that they put in the crowd, and then Sasha and Bailey mentioning it for multiple weeks. Let's not forget, this is the women, the introduction of these titles has been delayed like nine months. This Sasha Bailey storyline was obviously meant for this. It seemed like they were gonna really kick it off in the women's battle royal at WrestleMania the culmination of it. Then they got back together and they did the whole thing. It seemed like they were ready to announce, announce it at SummerSlam or Evolution or at any other point. And they just kept dragging it on. And now after dragging it on and wasting all this time, they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, here they are. I hate it. Okay. The titles look pretty cool. Um, the chevrons in each corner don't make any sense. I don't know why they're there. Other than that, the titles look awesome. Um, I like that it's going to be multi-brand. I hate the fact that they're having an elimination chamber match to determine the first champions when you have five weeks, they said, between now and Elimination Chamber, hold a tournament or start a tournament after Elimination Chamber with all these teams that you have nothing to do with and run it until WrestleMania and crown the first women's tag team champions at WrestleMania on maybe the same show that women are going to main event WrestleMania for the first time. This is not hard. What WWE is doing 
is failing at every part of these women's tag team championships, despite the fact that I'm so excited for them to exist. Zero. I have to hero your zero there. Okay. I agree with you 100% here. You know what this comes across to me like? And I know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I mean, but just reading the tea leaves, this comes across to me like something Vince didn't want to do. Yeah, I agree. In the first place. He didn't want this at all. And he had people in his ear, be it Stephanie, Triple H, uh, definitely wasn't Kevin Dunn. The wrestlers, no, probably the wrestlers, probably the women. Maybe the maybe the women yeah. suggested it. Maybe you know, <clears throat> using someone else as a middleman. But it comes across to me like something Vince wants no part of, and then finally just went, "All right, fine." Right. But it's going to give it zero attention, zero love. And that's why he pulled stuff like introducing it as sa- introducing them as Santa Claus and then telling Alexa, yeah, just go out there and say Elimination Chamber three and three and we're done with it. Because I, as a fan, have a lot of que- like when you introduce titles of all things, I have questions. Right. Like my question is, OK, so there's one set of titles. Where can they be defended? Rod Smackdown or Rod Smackdown NXT NXT UK? Like, so is this so they're traveling champions across all the but what brands? And then, like, Elimination Chamber. Here's another thing I don't get. It is a match where there are no tags. Right. You're crowning tag team champions. Right. In a match that has no tags. Right. Like, it just comes across to me as something Vince wanted no part of, gave into because he kept getting told, well, the people want it. The wrestlers want it. The people want it. The wrestlers want it. Everybody wants it. And Vince is like, well, I don't want it. And you're like, well, you get, just give in, please. And he did. I completely agree with you. Um, I didn't even really, as much as I thought about, as much as I thought about not liking the chamber match, I didn't even realize the fact that <laughs> it's, a tag, it's a tag team titles and it's not a match with tagging teams. There's no tags. It's really stupid. That you know what that makes it like a super zero. That is the dumbest freaking thing I've ever heard them doing this. Why not just do a tournament? Why is that so difficult? We get to see all these teams, or you know, even if you don't want to do a tournament, do like you did for a mixed match challenge. Do a round robin so you see all these different matchups, and then the winner of Raw and the winner of SmackDown meet yeah. at inside the Elimination Chamber or inside a steel cage or or just in a regular tag team match at WrestleMania. There's a million things they could have done better. And I, now to, to sort of answer my own question, what I believe is going to happen, it's just Ron SmackDown. I, I oh, don't it think, is. No, it's three. It's, I don't think you're going to see these titles in NXT. No, it's, it's three teams from each. Now, Sasha uh, Banks, I think in a recent interview, or maybe it was Bailey, said they would love to go to NXT and NXT UK and fight some of these women. But yeah. no, it's going to be Ron SmackDown. I think it'll switch between brands. It'll be a situation where the teams are able to challenge each other and, and – Go back and forth. Maybe it'll be on Raw for a month. It'll move – or two yeah. months. SmackDown for two months. It'll go based on what they need storyline-wise. And I think that's totally fine because these pay-per-views are interbrand now. So yeah. th- you don't have to worry about that very much. But the key thing that you mentioned earlier, and I totally agree with you, I I think six months ago, Boss and Hug Connection being the first champions made all the sense in the world. No, no. I see no way that happens now. I think – you have many teams that can legitimately hold them. I think Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville have a great opportunity. The Iconics, Nia Jackson, Tamina Snuka. One of those three teams, my point is it needs to be heels. I think a heel team is going to win it. And then I think you'll see Sasha Banks and Bailey win the titles at WrestleMania. So, sort of. I mean, I, I'm sure we, we may touch. We're Actually, we're going to touch on it later for a little bit. But sort of what NXT UK did at, at TakeOver this, this past weekend. 
with their tag team championship. Yeah. To say basically same concept where what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah, there was no reason for Mustache Mountain to win the titles. Everyone expected them to win. No, everyone. No, they're the stars. They're great stars of Britain. But Gibson and Drake. Yep. Like they're they're they're, their names over there, but they need to be elevated to a different level. And that's what's going to happen. They were elevated higher by winning the titles over them and becoming the first champions. Mustache Mountain wouldn't have gained anything by winning the titles. They're already, no. They were already regular NXT Tag Team Champions. It was unnecessary. And now, then, go ahead. It, to that point, if Pete Dunne wasn't the UK champion, then yeah, I would have put them on Tyler and Trent. Because those three men are the faces of British wrestling. Yeah. But as long as Pete is walking around with that UK title, no, you didn't have to give Well, let's them. clarify. They're the faces of British wrestling in WWE, just to clarify. Uh, uh, I mean, between them and Sabre. And, just Will, for, and Will Ospreay? They, Will's up. Will Will's getting there. We'll Look, say that. I, I watch. He's getting there. He he's up there. But uh, no, Tyler, like Mustache Mountain. No, of course they're huge. Brit, British Strong Style. Those three. Yeah. Like for the past five six years, they're they're the faces. Absolutely. Okay, we got a little more hero Razier to go. Uh, Jack, it looks to me like WWE is clearly trying to inject a couple of adult storylines. Let's call it into its product. When you consider the Naomi Mandy Rose Usos angle uh, and Alexa Bliss being walked in on while changing this week. So in general, and we'll talk, we'll talk about them briefly, specifically, because the show is getting long. But in general, are you a fan of these more adult storylines being injected into the product, Hero or Zero? Well, these two specific ones, I have to Hero and Zero. I'm going to Hero on Naomi and Mandy. Well, because I'm not asking per- specific. I'm saying the generality of doing this. Are but, you for it? Because we haven't had many storylines like this recently. As long as you keep it tasteful. Like, this isn't Sable out there having hands printed over her breasts <laughs> or anything like that. Correct. Like, as long as you keep it tasteful, which the two segments were this week. Like, tasteful enough for 2019 television yeah. on the USA Network. As long as you keep it tasteful, which it, which it was, I, I could, I'll Hero. Okay, now go ahead individually. Go for it. But Hero, specifically on Naomi and Mandy, because while the production has been somewhat poor and the logic has been out the window like <laughs> last night the photographer running in to snap the pictures while there is a camera okay but hold on okay no 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 i'm stopping you in kayfabe they don't know the camera's there oh it's, i'm not no they don't it's the year 2019 the cameraman's right there no there is a man no jack there no jack because when heels are scheming backstage they don't know the camera's there if they're not talking into the camera being interviewed they, I just they don't know the camera's there you have to buy into that no, I just hate We're wrestling it. fans. You got to buy into it. You have to. You have to. But I get a hero on them because at least there's a story behind it. You know, Mandy hates Naomi. Right. So even though she took it, I saw people joking about this last night and I was laughing. They said, you know, there's a lot of things she could do just because she hates Naomi. She doesn't have to break up her marriage. Well, it's it's funny. because it a little yeah, too extreme. Because Sonya Deville's like, isn't this a little like crazy? And Mandy Rose is basically like, and I don't even know if I can use this word. She's like, no, I want to be a skank. Like, yeah, she, she went zero to a hundred. It's like, like what? Yeah. Uh, so go, keep going. But I'll hear, but the, at least there's a storyline behind it. Okay. The, the stuff with Alexa was just, it didn't even make any sense. Like, because like you said, it would have been one thing if it led to more Otis. Right. But a, a random coffee guy just barging in there and she's, you know, her top is half off. And then we get the, it made no sense. Like there was, there was no reasoning. Now, maybe in the coming weeks, we'll find out there was a reasoning for that. Well, whatever it could be, I don't know. Right. But hero on Naomi and Mandy, because there's an actual story behind it. Mm-hmm. Zero on the Lexi stuff, because it made no sense whatsoever. So if you had our, if you, we had the full soundboard, you'd hear, it makes no sense. 
It doesn't fit. And if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Um, on the Alexa Bliss thing to start, did it make sense? No. It was worthless. But look, man, I'm a man. All right. I think Alexa Bliss is beautiful. I had no issue with it. Like, people want to complain. Come on. There's worse things to complain about in this world. Okay. Professional wrestling is professional wrestling, right? It's carny. It's half-naked women. Now, WWE, to their credit, have strayed away from doing anything semi-controversial. This was not controversial. She was fully covered. There was nothing to see. Like, you're, you're right. There were no sable handprints. There were no pasties or anything like that. It wasn't an arm draped across them like, you know, otherwise naked. She was fully covered. I had no issue with it other than from a storyline perspective, it just wasn't necessary. And had they done Otis in that spot, that would have made sense. Had they done EC3 in that spot, it would have made some sense. There's a lot of things they could have done besides just some random dude and Alexa, like, not hearing the door knock. Now, they may pay it off down the fu- in the future where maybe she's trying to sell her sexiness somehow and get walked in on and maybe there's something more to it. But as of right now, that didn't make sense. The Naomi, Mandy Rose thing, again, you're right. It was good. There was a little Kill Bill-ish to it with Naomi dressed in that neon yellow slash green outfit jumpsuit. And it just felt very much like that. Um, I don't mind the camera thing, as you mentioned. Um, what I cared more about, wouldn't it have been better if Jey Uso walked in? And if you're gonna, oh. and if you're gonna do an angle like this, have him make out with her. And now you have Jay making out with Mandy. Then the uh, paparazzi comes and takes pictures. She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get you now." He starts laughing. He leaves. Naomi walks in, and you go right. They're brothers. That's the whole. It's such a cool thing they could have done. It's such a good dynamic. Again, it sounds like I'm nitpicking. These things make it better. Hire me as a writer, guys. Hire me to punch up your scripts. I can do it. I'm better. I'll tell you what. My my wife and I were sitting here watching it last night. And I said, you know, yes, in real life, Jey Uso is married with twins. But they never acknowledge on WWE television that Jey is married. Never. So as an actor in his professional wrestling absolutely, you tell him. Go in, make out with Mandy Rose a little bit. We do the we do the twin magic. We pull the switcheroo, and now maybe they have that planned for a different time. But the, the hotel room bit last night was the perfect moment to do something like that. It was, and they never really even. I mean, maybe like five years ago, when someone got hurt in a match, they might have done that. I don't even remember, but they never really do that with them. Um, and they're not twins, but they're so they look so similar that like, you know, it's just. Easily could she easily could have been confused by it, and it would have made total sense. Plus, um, there was there was no reason for Jimmy. Like, if Jimmy had gotten that key, why did he just go to his wife, hand her the key, and say, "Hey, look, you know, go that, attack that her." Chi- that, yeah. that chick gave me her key, so she's still trying this nonsense here. Go kick her ass. Well, maybe you could say element of surprise. I, 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 I'm less. I have a less of an issue with that, but it was like as a viewer, it's like, well, why is he even there? He clearly loves Naomi. Like, it didn't make sense. It's one thing if their relationship was rocky, and then they did this. And then that would have made sense. I don't know. It, it was strange. Uh, just before we move off of this, while we're on it, actually, let me check some things we have in the future of the show. I want to see if I'm going to talk about something that we were otherwise going to do, and we're not. Um, Moment of Bliss is the worst talk show in WWE history. They're Biden time. For what? Her to come back? She's Yeah, she's still not clear. Yeah, I understand, but it's terrible. They're Biden time. Well, it, it's terrible. I mean, means to an end, which brings up a different point I have, actually. Uh, we, we both of us mentioned that this whole 
uh, walking in on Alexa Bliss and promoting her sexiness right. is one thing. But what? But if my concern is if it's to buy, if it's another way to buy time, but before she can get back in the ring, when she's cleared, like is the whole thing just going to drop and we're going to look back on it and say, so what the hell was that all about? Yeah, I don't know what the future really holds for her. Um, I do like that she's just not being thrust in these title pictures and and that we we're getting a break from her literally running roughshod over SmackDown and then Raw consecutively, it really did get tiring. Even though I like her in the ring, I think she's fine. She's not great, but she's okay. Um, But this, honestly, like, seriously getting back to it, it's just bad. The first one was horrible. Um, The segments where she did, like, the Q&A with Sasha and Bailey, those were horrible. And this one with Paul Heyman was just not good. It's not working. I was excited for her to get the opportunity. I thought it could be really cool. It doesn't work. End it. Stop doing it. That's it. Let's, uh, last part of Hero Zero. Hit me up. Okay, Lashley is your new Intercontinental Champion, Adam. Was it the right move for both Lashley and the IC title, Hero Zero? Look, when you inject a genetic freak like Lashley into a match like this, a guy like him has a 141 and two-thirds percent chance of winning, right? You know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Small Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beating me. And then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me, and he's not even going to try. So, Small Joe, you take your 33 and a third chance, Minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one on one and then add 66 and two thirds percents, I got 141 <laughs> and two thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. All right, now honestly, I have wanted to play that on this show for two years. It's not that Brian hasn't let me. We just haven't really had a good reason. I, I never remember to cut the clip. So I'm putting the soundboard t- together for the show today. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to figure out a way to jam in the Steiner math promo. That thing, oh, my God, is fantastic. Now It will stand the test of time. It will. Now, to uh, answer your question, you know, not only did Dean Ambrose not win the title. Not only did he not win it, I felt that he lost it. Yeah, he, he lost it to, uh, to Bobby Lashley here. And I got to be honest, it is a massive hero. Uh, this is one of the best booking decisions WWE has made in quite some time. The title in this feud between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose was irrelevant. Okay, it, it, putting it back on Rollins coming off of Ziggler, we're talking months ago now, made no sense. I thought that's a situation, you give that title to, to Drew McIntyre if you want, you start new promos with him, you do new things, Elias. You get him going on. You give him a push, right? Because right now, Drew McIntyre, as much as we love him, ain't doing much. But for Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose to trade this title and for it to be any part of a centerpiece of their feud didn't make sense. So, And now the fact that WWE is not doing automatic rematches, I love that it's jettisoned away from there. Simultaneously, it's giving Bobby Lashley the boost that he has needed since he rejoined WWE. It's pulling him away from those terrible... Um, storylines that he was in with with Sami Zayn and and the sisters and all that other crap. And even with Leo Rush now, I love that pairing. It, it really works. And it's helped elevate Bobby Lashley a little bit. 
This is elevating him even more because now he actually has something to brag about other than being a genetic freak, looking great, having great glutes. Um, And the other thing, I'll add one more hero to this, his reaction to winning the title. It is very rare that you see a wrestler react in that manner to winning a mid-card title. You saw Roman Reigns do it to a lesser extent when he won the Intercontinental Championship. From the Miz, they had that feud around Raw 25 time. Um, You don't see it too much. Rusev recently did it when he won the United States Championship because that title means so much to him. It's been the one title he's won multiple times in his WWE career. For Bobby Lashley to do this, to win a title he's never had before, I thought it was perfect. It made him look great, and I hope he has a long run. Huge hero for me. I don't want to keep agreeing with you. I honestly don't. I'd love to argue with you, but I can't on this one. I got I got to hero that because uh, it was time to get away from the Seth Dean stuff. Like, like you touched on it, it was enough. Enough was enough because number one, it didn't need the title to begin with. You already touched on that. Dad needed no title whatsoever. Dean Ambrose is the intercontinental champion. Absolutely nothing. Now you have this fresh entertaining pairing in Leo Rush and Lashley and just like you, I want to see the run with this. Let's see yeah. how far we can go before someone eventually dethrones him. Maybe at WrestleMania, maybe after. But let's see how far we can run with this. I like new things. Give me more new things. By the way, I did, speaking of new things, I'll, I'll actually go back to an old thing. I meant to play this during the Andrade San Alma segment. It's the only other audio clip I cut. So I'm just going to play it now, even though it's nonsensical to anything we're talking about. I'm here to stay. Make make a, make a, uh, a good, good lucha, lucha thing. <laughs> like he, he knew he screwed up that promo. God damn. Like he had nothing else he could say at the end of that. That's obviously Kalisto. Um, and I was going to do that during the Andrade Cien Almas, as I said. Uh, Jack, we've gone really long today, um, but we do have some DM slides to hit. Why don't you read these to me? I'm going to answer them really, really quick, as quick as I can, and we'll close this thing out. All right. The first one, Adam, comes from Joe Ghoulish at Flair for the Gold. I'm slightly nervous this Becky versus the world could get stale. It's the longer she goes, the more we see everyone likes her or that she's getting opportunities. It's obviously working. I just hope it's more than one note. Thoughts? Am I crazy? I think you're a little crazy. I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think, uh, you know, Austin didn't get tired. Uh, Daniel Bryan's current gimmick isn't getting tired. It's different when you're a, a white meat baby face like an AJ Styles. And it's like, OK, we get it. The same thing every week. John Cena got really stale. But when you're a badass and you can say different things and insult different opponents every week in different ways, um, that doesn't get stale. And she's not getting stale. I mean, I guess there's a couple people. And honestly, I think it's like, – I hate to just come to this. I think it's people who don't like seeing a woman on top of the company. They're like, all right, it's enough already. We get it, right? Meanwhile, her fan base grows every single week. She cuts great promos. We did a 30-minute interview with her. And if you haven't listened to that, you really need to. She was fantastic. No. Keep doing this. They need to keep buying into her. She needs to win the title at WrestleMania. What's next? All right, next one from Abu Yeha at TSQ313. Bro, Ronda Rousey looks like she is overpronouncing her words like in Friends when Joey got the role in the war movie. Is that even fixable, bro? I don't know, bro. Do you talk like uh, Vince Russo, bro? Are we just going to talk bro all the time? Uh, she, it's not that she's overpronouncing her words. She tries to be exact in her speech. And because it's scripted, she feels like she needs to read the lines from scripts as opposed to just speaking. And that's what the best performers know. Like Rollins, a lot of his stuff is scripted too, but he's just speaking it. He, he thinks about what it is and he realizes I can miss a word or two. It's okay as long as I get the gist of what I'm trying to say out. 
That was Roman Reigns' problem, too. He was so focused on the exact words. It's what happened with Braun Strowman a couple weeks ago. He's so focused on the exact words. I don't love Rousey's promos, and we've talked about it. She does deserve crap occasionally. Um, I didn't hate her segments with Sasha, at least the verbiage that she used and the way she spoke. I think it made sense her being confused that, why is Sasha hating me? I'm trying to give her a compliment, not realizing it's a backhanded compliment the entire time. So she acts innocent and friendly with the faces, and then when they turn on her, she gets aggressive and badass. I'm okay with it. I don't think it's perfect, no, but it's not as bad as it's been when she's been asked to be in the ring and cut a seven-minute promo before. Okay, next one's from P. Turgan at P. Turgan. <clears throat> if you're in charge of talent acquisition for all elite wrestling, who would your top three realistic targets to poach from WWE? Who would be your one fantasy target? He asked for the sound effect. I don't know why, but I played it. Um, I mean, look, I'd really have to give this a lot more thought to give you three realistic targets to poach from WWE. I mean, why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we go one male, one female, one tag team? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I think the so most realistic tag team that could actually do something for them would be the Good Brothers um, or the Revival. So I'll give you two tag teams. I think both of those would work great in their ecosystem. Neither would really hurt WWE to lose them. Uh, from a women's perspective, they could probably get away with, oh man, like a Ruby Riot, I think would be a great get. A woman who can work and cut promos and actually deliver. Um, but the rest of those women, at least in WWE, really feel WWE-ized and, and they really feel like they fit what they're doing, at least on the main roster. The, the answers I'm giving are from the main roster. Their top target I mean, it should be Seth Rollins, right? But I don't think there's any way that Seth Rollins ever leaves. So I think you go after, man, like if you can get like a Drew McIntyre and when his contract runs out, if you're able to poach someone like him, um, if you're able to get Lashley and you say, look, man, we can offer you the same money and we'll use you way better. We'll put you in the main event. I think guys like that, they need bigger guys. They can't just rely on these small you know, thin white dudes who are like gimmicky and get over with fans and like, oh, it's so cool that MJF is there. Like, that's great. And Joey Janela too. Love his gimmick, but there's, it's very much a lot of the same similar things. Um, don't you, you, you besmirch MJF on my watch? Oh, I'm not besmirching him. He's amazing. He cuts, a, I, I know what you're saying. He cuts a sick promo, but like, I just, the, I love it, there's yeah. not as much of a differential between MJF and yeah. Joey Janela as there is Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think? get what you're saying. What do you there. think? But I, Who did I miss? No, no, because you, you went male, female, uh, tag team. Well, what I'm saying the, is, who did I not mention that you, that you had in your head? That's what I'm saying. No, those are pretty good. I, I actually, I was thinking of this in my head earlier, but my tag team definitely the revival. Right. Even even over the Good Brothers, the revival would be my tag team. My female, if you could get her, would be Sasha, and Seth Rollins was my male talent, but I am just happy that you didn't say Zack Ryder or Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Um, those are the standard. Yeah. No, like that's not but the I, way but, to go. But to that point though, I don't think to, to his question, it's realistic. I don't think Sasha or Seth is realistic. Well, I mean, Sasha's, you, not, it, Sasha's it, not leaving WWE. Hey, they, hey, you never know what's in these people. We've seen crazier things happen before. Okay. You ready to move on? Yeah. Keep going. Okay, Alex C. at The Evolution WWE. What's your take on the WrestleMania direction for Dean Ambrose? Honestly, hard to tell at the moment. The heel run started off great. No, it didn't. And then it's physical. <laughs> well, 
Well, the return start I, the, the I, return yeah, started I, off great. No, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. The return started off great. The heel turn week one was good. The fact that it happened, Vince had the cojones uh, to do it on the night that Roman Reigns made his announcement. That was great. Um, but yeah, it's fizzled and sucked ever since. What's his direction for Mania? I have no idea. And honestly, I don't care because can't, he can't Dean Ambrose win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle. I mean, he could. I, I don't think they've ruined. I don't think they've buried him, but they have ruined him. And he can come back from it. He definitely can. It's going to take some work. And what I've seen recently, this black pants with a chain wallet from 1992, that doesn't do it for me. So I don't know what his future holds, um, but it's not good. And it's not good right now. In last thing on this before we move on, in hindsight, Meltzer did report, and this was weeks ago, that one of the plans for WrestleMania season was actually Dean Ambrose versus Roman. And part mm. of me wonders, in hindsight, mm. if that would have worked out a little better than he and Seth. I don't know. We'll never know, but... Well, it feels... It, yeah, I mean, that, that would have made sense. Whether it's them head-to-head or a triple threat with all three of them involved, that would have been great. Yeah, it's just something I think about. Yeah. All right, moving on. Cam Schilling at Cam Schilling 88. <laughs> this is a good question. Why is Corbin still corporate? Yeah, I don't have an answer for you. Um, I do think the reason he is wearing clothes is because he, Vince probably doesn't love his body the way he does a Balor, right? Who not only will he go fully shirtless, but he'll just shove his genitals in your face every time he, uh, you know, gets on the ring apron. Um, but yeah, with with uh, Corbin, I don't know why he's still dressed that way, but it doesn't surprise me that he's still dressed, if that makes sense. And the way he even talks in his promos, he comes across like he's still the acting general manager. It's weird. Like, yeah. just move on from the guy. It's strange. I mean, look, I think he got a lot of crap because he was so yeah. o- so overly featured. But to his credit, he did a really good job in that role. He did. I, you know, I think you and I might be one of the few two people on this planet who actually gave the guy credit for, like, I- embracing the role, not only, but sort of progressing in it. And he was getting progressively better week by week. I didn't mind it. He got way better. It was a fine role for him. He's even pretty decent in the ring. I mean, he has some unique moves that you don't see other guys do, but they got to, and I like that they shaved him because that hairline was getting ridiculous, but they got to figure out what the next thing is for Baron Corbin and allow him to go in that direction, change his get up. He can stay clothed if you don't want him showing things off, but you got to do something different with him. What's last? Oh, the last question, one of my favorites around this time of year. Who would be a perfect candidate to be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble a la Adam Cole last year? Would Velveteen Dream be the top choice? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what else there is to say. The roof would blow off if it was Velveteen Dream. You would get raining booze if it was Tommaso Ciampa. He would be a good option. But if he's the champion, I don't really love that. I think the only other name would be Ricochet. Alistair Black. It's good. I don't think the reaction would be the same. I think if I, what I'd like to see person, this is not what should, ha- this is just personally what I would like to see. I think, I think you put black in there, have the lights go out, do the thing. Right. I think the place will go nuts. Cause he's one of the, the place will go bonkers when he comes out, put him in there. Number six or seven and have him go a good length and then introduce him on the main roster. Because I'm one of the few people folks that still believe that Alistair black is going to be a huge star. Let me ask you this. On either Raw or SmackDown. Let me ask you this. Does Velveteen Dream right now have a match for NXT TakeOver? Ah, uh, he does not. He's going to be in that uh, tournament, though. That uh, NXT yeah, he, 205 yeah, he, Live. 
Yeah, he's going to be representing NXT, but at the moment he does not. And I do the predictions for CBSSports.com, and my predict like four of the matches I believe are set, and I have one prediction in there, and it's not a match for Velveteen Dream. So that would make a lot of sense to get him featured in something like this, considering he's yeah. he's really the most over guy in that company, and he's not going to be on the Takeover card. It is a limited card; there's only so many people they can put on there. I think Ricochet just. To be like, if you saw Ricochet and Kofi Kingston square off, or Rey Mysterio, or Andrade Cien Almas, or any of those guys, you're getting really excited if you see that. But I think yeah. if you heard Velveteen Dream, the place oh, yeah. would implode. Not explode, implode. That's how cool it would be. All right, that is the show for us. We're going to hit you with the feel spots on the way out. Jack, why don't you start us off? What hit you in the feel spot this week? Walter is here, folks, and I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. I'm shaking right now. I'm so excited about this. Uh, Walter, very, very big name on the European scene. Uh, finally, he signed his WWE contract in November, and he kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Uh, at the end of the first NXT TakeOver, the NXT UK TakeOver show this past Saturday, Walter came out to surprise the, the retaining champion, Pete Dunne, Came out to a massive pop. His debut was done perfectly in front of the perfect crowd in Blackpool. They went bananas when they saw him for the first time. And for those of you who don't know Walter, you're go- he's not going to be aesthetically pleasing to you. His body, you're going to look at him and say he's not a Vince McMahon guy. But having watched Walter for years, I can guarantee you folks this. He has a ring presence like you've never seen before. So before you go uh, comparing him to... I, I see Vladimir Kozlov a lot. Yeah. And stuff like, no, it, there's just something. Walter has one of, he's one of those guys that has just that aura it's, when he's in the ring, no matter who he's in the ring against, that's, you're watching something special. Yeah. So you got to give him time. He'll grow on you. I, I can't state enough how excited I am to see him finally here. Yeah. Walter definitely has it. And someone else who has it is my feel spot of the week. And you know what? It's the exact same show too. <laughs> I'm watching this NXT UK on Saturday, and I'm really concentrated on football. It's NFL playoffs. I'm ready to go. I, I got a little tiny projector. I have it. I had the NXT UK on the side projector. I'm watching it. I see this match. I'm like, oh, the Jordan Devlin match coming is coming up. That's really cool. I see the pre-match attack. I'm like, oh. Uh, and then Sid Scala comes out and basically says, hey, we had a feeling this was going to happen. We came up with a replacement. And I said out loud, Finn Balor. Because who the hell else would it be, right? Yeah. Music hits, Finn Balor gets his full entrance, goes head-to-head with his, like, basic twin, uh, his son, son, 15-year-younger protege, uh, Jordan Devlin. You know, it wasn't wasn't an incredible match, but it was really good. You got to see a lot of what Devlin can do. It really gave Balor a nice hometown announcement. The the roof of, I forgot the name of the uh, complex that they were in, it blew off. Like, the fans lost their damn minds. And if you can get a reaction like that, you have to take the opportunity to do it. It was a really good way to introduce NXT UK to a larger audience who would watch the takeover, but is not going to watch the weekly show. And honestly, I think I'm one of them. I think I'm not going to watch the weekly show anymore and just watch the takeovers. There's just too much wrestling. And as much as I do like Walter, I love Pete Dunne, Mustache Mountain. There's not enough names there that are, and storylines that are really getting me excited where I feel like I need to tune in and watch an hour or two hours of NXT UK each week because they had a bunch of backlog episodes, so they're kind of shoving them in our faces here. Um, It's just a little too much, but the show was very good. It lived up to the TakeOver name. I wouldn't say it was as good as some of the best TakeOvers that we've seen. It didn't have the depth for it, but it was great, and that played a big role in it. 
this is a, it's all experimental for now. Yeah. Like this, oh, this is a baby. Like remember the first NXT takeovers were in full sale. Yep. I mean, they, they, they were great. They're, they're not as great as they are now, right. but it, it's going to take time. But that, that, you know, that, that show served a lot of purposes. Yeah. One of them, I think being the beginning of a transition, maybe not recent of getting Pete Dunn out of there. Yes. And to a main roster show, because you asked me, folks, Adam asked me, we were, we were watching the show at the same time. Well, this is live. This is live. We were live. Yeah. And Adam asked me literally after Pete Dunn pinned Joe Coffey, he said, who takes that title from Pete Dunn? And then as soon as Walker Waldo, I go, Walked oh, up, said, there's who. your answer. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's so, who. <laughs> Uh, eventually, eventually, but I think what that this was was the beginning of the end, and I say this in a good way, right. of getting Pete Dunn onto a main roster. Yeah. Now I agree with you. I think Pete Dunn is ready for the main roster. Oh. Needs to be on there. Uh, you know, I I love Tyler Bate, but that title change, putting it on Dunn from Bate, having yeah. Bate go over him twice. I mean, Dunn go over him twice. It it really started to show me like, wow, this is a guy I did not know existed, and he is freaking fantastic i didn't love the coffee match but i thought it was good and especially at the end dunn looked great but having walter in there he's the perfect guy to end this 600 day title reign without hurting dunn one iota it's perfect been a great show we've gone on longer than i expected i did want to try to keep it short without bc here because don't forget it always is in this campbell podcast and it will be again next week when brian is back from his vacation, taking a cruise uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, folks. Now, you know how we always end this show. We like to say goodbye. But since it's the Silver King's turn hosting, since it's my edition of Performance Enhancing Audio, I decided to give you a little bit extra. Elizabeth, come on out here, man. We got something going that's really big, don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them where we're going. Yeah. We into the twilight zone. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. No. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man Randy Savage? Am I the greatest wrestler past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes, you are. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Tell Hulk Hogan that. Tell I Peter will. Sanchez. I thank you, Randy Savage. Yes, he is roughest in the sport. Rest in peace, Macho Man. Rest in peace, Mean Gene. You can find us on Twitter at State of Combat. Myself at Silverstein Adam. Jack, what's your Twitter handle? At Jack Crosby, Jack, C-R-O-S-B-Y, 1423. And, of course, at B. Campbell, CBS. We'll be back with more combat sports podcasting next week, including a big show from BC on Monday or Tuesday, boxing or MMA. I am not quite sure yet. The WWE episode will be back on Wednesday, and we might have something extra special for you planned as well. But I'm going to leave that tease. I'm going to say goodbye. And, of course, those two beautiful words. We out.